Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Birthday Podcast. And today, I have one of my best friends in the whole wide world who has decided to grace us with her presence. Could you please introduce yourself? Yes, thank you so much for having me, Jeremiah. I'm Carolina <laughs> Silva, pronoun she, hers, ella, and I'm joining you from Utah. Yeah. Yes. with my parents. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and Carolina just celebrated her 29th birthday. Um, and why don't you tell the 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 listeners, you know, a little bit about about yourself? You know, what do you do? Uh, why are you in Salt Lake? And yeah. Yeah. Sure. So what I do is I wake up in the morning. I exist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What do I do? That's such a big question. So I'm currently, um, I'm currently the executive director in Tucson, Arizona, called Scholarship CZ, and we meet the educational needs of undocumented youth and families. So I get to work a lot with undocumented students um, for educational equity as well as educators. We basically turn educators into accomplices. So we're pretty badass work. And I got there through a lot of the advocacy work that I did in graduate school. Shout out to the Crimson Group. They're the coolest, the real. You don't know who they are. Look them up. <laughs> um, but yeah, currently I'm at my home in Lake City, Utah, where, which is where my parents live because I... Yeah, so Carolina and I um, both got our PhDs from Washington State University. Uh, and we were both first-year PhD students together, and she graduated a year before I did. Um, but, man, the story she can tell. So thank you for sharing a little bit about yourself with us. Um, let's see. The first question that I want to ask is, you know, looking back on probably most of your 20s, because this is going to be the last year in your 20s, but maybe particularly in this last year, what have you learned about yourself? My gosh, that's a really good question. I spent most of my 20s in Pullman, Washington, which let's just say I never never planned for things to go that way. (laughs) But (laughs) what I will say is I met amazing people like Jeremiah, and I think that my graduate career really set me up to the trajectory that I am today because I think before that I had done a lot of work and like I had done work in advocacy I had done work in immigration but I think that that's really when I got the confidence um and I think found my voice to see myself as a leader which was a good good point because I I never necessarily imagined myself doing nonprofit work However, now, I would say, like, within the last year, I fellowship in, at the U.S. House of Representatives, where I was working, you know, on education policy, which was a crazy opportunity, um, a really eye-opening. But I think just being there and then transitioning to such a new space, it has, I think it's reminded me of how adaptable I am, but it's also taught me that I do need to be more patient, because it takes time to make a difference, right? And it makes mm-hmm. it takes time to build relationships. Mm-hmm. And it takes time to really um, build capacity and, and do the work that um, I think a lot of community organizers wanna wanna do and accomplish. I think I think there's only so much we can do with it within like a set time, and it's really hard, right, to like 
measure things. So I think I've been just trying to be more more gentle and like patient with myself as well because I wanted to see myself, right? Like reach all these milestones when in reality, I think like I needed to set up the ground, the framework and the foundation in order to get to that point. So uh, I'm just reflecting on that. How I'm, uh, I'm so impatient. <laughs> <laughs> But honestly, but and I'm like really patient and chill with everybody else but myself. And then I'm just mm. like, you know, why are you not more productive? Like even today I was running errands for my parents in the middle of the day and I was like, What the heck? How is it four PM already? And then I realized that like right, I have done all these things for all these other people in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm. I was like, Well, well, well <laughs> right. So then I ate some ramen because I got hungry and I was like, Ooh. you know what? My body deserves food. Yes, ramen sounds like a great thing. I had to go in the office today in Fresno, and they bought us pho, and yes. I was just like, "Oh, that's so good." Okay, so um, one question that pops to my mind because you said a lot of great things there, um, so I'm gonna come back to that. But one thing you had talked about is, you know, in grad school and other experiences, finding your voice. Um, mm-hmm. How do you think? Like, what? factors what events what things led you to kind of find your voice because I think a lot of people struggle with that yeah and I think and I think there's different opportunities and scenarios um where where I I was able to finally utilize my voice because I think as a high school student you know and a college student be being undocumented took such a big part of my identity and I think that and being a student of color being first time being low income right i learned how to how to like share those things with those parts of my identity in a way that that helped me right it was a survival tool it was a survival mechanism where like i shared my status in order to gain access to these places right never did i think about sharing that in order to find community or in order to find social support so i think when i went to grad school um, and I was approached by students who, right, who wanted me to be their advisor, mentor. I think that yeah. I I saw that very differently, right? Because I already I knew how to share my story. I knew how to right like leverage my experiences in order to like get to these to these places where um, <laughs> folks like us are so often right underrepresented because these spaces were not created for us. And I think in, in graduate school, well, I don't think I know. I think that's when I really realized, oh shit, like there's power in community building and there's power in um, sitting with people who have the same experiences and, and working in solidarity to the same goal in a different way than have that experience during undergrad because I very much felt alone for that experience. So I think mm. I think it, it was seen that. It was seen <laughs> by myself um, and the folks that I was working with and then like seeing themselves in and me and my leadership and just I was and, and be, I wouldn't say just but because I was a graduate student but because I had this similar experience oh shit like now I can see myself you know pursuing law school or pursuing a doctor which I never even thought of because I think when you're mm-hmm. a grad student you're so insecure and just trying to survive <laughs> by right, right. Um, so now I'm like oh shit right like your presence your existence is important and resistance is existence so I think it was it came down to building community and then using that and, fi- and finding ways to use my voice for more than survival for advocacy and in mm. order to get right like the dignity and rights and benefits that immigrant communities and so many other marginalized communities deserve. I love that more than just for survival, right? We want to thrive. We want to live our best lives, not just hang on to little bits of 
you know, whatever is thrown at us. Um, yeah. You know, and I, got, I just got to say, like, I remember watching you work with the Crimson Group at WSU and where it was before you and some other folks were involved, but really you. And then what happened to the group and how it catapulted into, like, this other, like, totally big zone um, once you all got involved. Because I think it just – the need was there. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on politically and, you know, Trump's election happened while you were in the Crimson Group and you all were doing work. I mean, I feel like there's just so much that happened in those years um, that Crimson Group really filled in a space that was needed and spoke to a population that is often not not really taken seriously, even at an institution where they proclaim to be for marginalized communities undocumented students right and i know there's a lot of pushback with administration like how was that experience <laughs> with you and you like to talk about it <laughs> you know i had so many things to say and <laughs> you just gave me the soap i needed <laughs> um and keep in mind right like all of this i think has to be contextualized because there's there's so many ways in which institutions are problematic and shitty and dehumanizing but what I what I will say is while this institution right has set aside like some concrete resources and means of support for undocumented students, I think as a whole, right, it, it literally came down to like tell us what you want and then also do the work and then expect us to take the credit, even even if right, yeah. even if that support um materializes in some ways, but it's not what you want. Because I look at so many of the things yeah. That are available there now there's a there's a dream center right like they have freaking staff and funding and it's it's crazy to think how yeah. different things were a few years back right especially when like i was told by one of my own like supervisors like that's never gonna happen yeah. and of course we kept pushing um and what i want to say is like well all those things are still victories things happen the way that right like the students advocated and made these things possible none of none of it went down the way that it that they wanted to happen right um it, uh-huh. it didn't necessarily like there it wasn't an equitable process it wasn't a process that center center student voice and they and in many ways it was a process that was just like you know what like now's the right time we're gonna we're gonna do this uh and rather than like give credit to the undocumented youth who literally like put their put everything put energy put time like put their emotional mental well-being like on the line to to push for more right they just Uh they did it and claimed it as a higher educational as a higher educational best practice that they decided to do for Uh out of the goodness of their heart which is often who are more privileged because of their identities right like may not understand um how the being in in those positions just just like we talked about the white men like them literally just holding those positions means that um like another carolina will look and say like hey like maybe you could be the director of this office or maybe you could be um the chair of this department because i definitely didn't see myself in that way i don't think i had my first Latina professor until until I was a PhD student, which is crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think like, when I um, got to Arizona and were undergoing other like organizational changes there, I realized I was like, oh shoot, like I don't think I just left 
right, Wazoo? Because I, I had the opportunity. I just felt so burnt out because of the continued battles and because people, you know, from my own, from a similar identity, um, did not have my back. <laughs> and at that point, I knew that I had done the work that needed to be done and that the leadership mm. we had built was strong enough to withstand and continue, right, continue pushing the Crimson Group forward and continue pushing undocumented youth, not just at Washington, because their work, right, like, is, it's not just institutionally focused. Um, so I have a lot of reflections. I think I still need to unpack. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think it's always good to reflect, you know, because I think in the heat of the moment, it's hard to reflect on things because you're just so busy doing work, you know, trying to not only take care of your business as as a graduate student, but then all of these other outside factors, right, like the policies and practices that are really killing black and brown queer bodies, um, you know, and trying to carve out a space that's safer for people. Um, and I just remember watching you all, you know, do that and being like, damn, and it's all for free, right? All free, like unpaid labor. (laughs) All of it. So much unpaid labor. I think if, right, the unpaid labor of like black, brown, and like queer folks were to be added up, we could have like a whole ass, like another amazing first world country somewhere i don't even know what it would look like (laughs) yeah oh we should create our own little little uh, country utopia (laughs) we're utopia (laughs) oh yes 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 okay um Uh, let's see what else what else did i want to ask you or do you have any questions that you would like to or yeah yeah, or Or maybe like, do you have any anything, any other reflections you'd like to share about, you know, your now that you're reflecting on your years past? Hmm. Well, I, I love hearing your perspective of all this, just because I know you have ties to to Washington State that are longer than just think. I just love the all the connections between people because I think, right, like I got really involved and started doing this work and then found out um right and then we were moving in together we're like best friends mm-hmm. and then you introduced me to right people at the statewide level who you had mm-hmm. worked with so i just think it's such a small world <laughs> yeah. in so many yeah. ways is what i realized yeah. uh, through the work and i and I like to see how everyone's doing it in, in their own way, right? Like, whether it's through academia, whether, like, pe- some people have, like, stay in her ed, some people have, like, gone to policy. I think it's just um, really cool to see the all the different facets of the, of the I would say, just, like, movement. Jermaine, my question for mm. you is, as a new PhD as well, I want to hear what was uh-huh. like one of your most memorable experiences because you were there a whole oh, extra God. year after me, just having fun and doing <laughs> film in life. And I don't know. I always look back. I'm like, what if? <laughs> having fun? I don't know if I call it having fun. Oh, man. I don't know. That's a good question. Ah. Yeah, I thought I was going to have two more years. You remember that? Oh, my goodness. I was so <laughs> I thought I was going to have two more years, but then Paula was like, look, I'm going to be the dean 
of this school of college of education in the Carolinas, so you're gonna have to hurry up. <laughs> My God. Uh, yeah. Um, man, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, what did I learn? Yeah. Huh. What was my experience? Well, I think I know for one, like I missed having you around. Like that was pretty apparent because I just I don't know. We just we spent so much time together, and you know, like we had been roommates for what two, three years, two years mm-hmm. or something. I don't remember, nope. but three years, a couple years, three years. Yeah, three years. Sure. Like <laughs> we we said, yeah, there was like a routine. There was you know like. We just understood each other, and it was fun. Um, and you know, having that in my last year was a uh, was at times a little like, what is it? It just it was hard. That part was hard. And then um, when the pandemic hit, I was like, "What's going on?" Uh, but honestly, it also forced me to like really work on my stuff because I had no other choice. Like everything else was shut down so I was like you need to focus and finish and then I was gonna go oh that that this past year was also the year that I you know decided to break up with Pedro and that was a heartbreaking moment mm-hmm. um so like I think six or eight months out of the year or six months it was six months so half the year I wasn't with him but then decided to get back so you know I'm glad that happened but yeah I don't know I just I had my ups and downs like I thought I I need to get or want to get like a tenure track position. Um, and I just feel like because I have a PhD that it has to be an academic kind of thing. And I know it doesn't, but it's still in the back of my mind and I still look at jobs. And um, so, you know, it's also trying to figure out, okay, my, my identity isn't necessarily just in this PhD or in my job. Like I'm, you know, that's not all, all of who I am. So, that that is hard to separate though because i feel like so much of our identity is wrapped mm-hmm. up in our jobs and so when i didn't have a job i was i mean even now like now that i have a job i feel better but when i didn't these past couple months i was super depressed mm-hmm. <laughs> i was like i'm not bringing in any income i'm a loser i have this phd and i have this robe my dad was like why don't you get the robe the a thousand plus dollar robe for phd and i was like no but then he's like, just get it. It's a gift. And I got it. So I had that come to the house and I was like, I can't even wear this. I don't even want to wear this. <laughs> You've been so, through a lot. Okay. Also the worst time to graduate. Who would have yeah, who would have thought that you would get your PhD in the middle of a freaking pandemic? Yeah, yeah. yeah but you know, one day at a time, <laughs> just keep on pushing forward yes. Um, yes i will say i'm like oh, i when yeah. it was like another year like a seventh year i was like i'm done i remember i like physically got up <laughs> from my office <laughs> my chair and remote like whoa and i'm like you might not do this you could not and yeah not that the job market isn't like it literally never ends because of capitalism yeah. but i think now i'm glad you're whole year just to think through like right those five years that's like half a decade spent yeah crazy (laughs) crazy. Mm -hmm. um so the other question what are you looking forward to in you know your last year of your 20s and going into your 30s 30 30 i honestly i can't because I know that's like skipping ahead, but I'm gonna have a double game say 
There's gonna be like banda, there's gonna be mariachi, mm. there's gonna be everything. There might be two of us. Of course, could attend the what, what I'm looking forward to <laughs> <laughs> leading up to that, which I guess is like the majority of it. Um, I think I think for me, I'm gonna con- continue doing continue doing the work I'm doing, but I think I have to be more intentional about studying my own boundaries and continuing to take time for myself mm. and to spend mm-hmm. time with people I love because they, it has been hard working um, in a pandemic, as you said, and I moved across the country for a job. Um, mm-hmm. It's been so different, right? Like community building, and it's been so different than I imagined because mm. I live in a so maybe, my, maybe one of my goals will be trying to get to know right like my new community better um which yeah. will look differently of course but i'm ex- i'm ex- for that and then i'm also excited for things to just get better and i don't want to say like things should get back to normal because right like normal was fucked up in the first place but i mean i'm excited right. opportunities to have discussions about right racial justice in schools and, and have more opportunities mm. to do the work the organization does um, with better platforms because people can no longer from like the funding gap between. Yeah, I think I'm looking for. I'm trying to look at the crap silver linings. I never thought I'd say this, right? Like the silver linings of like, what does it mean to like really take time to like build something in community and and do social justice work that is rooted mm. that is rooted in the experience of people who are the most impacted because all of it takes time. Right. I think going back to my like impatient ways. Plus, a I would say like on the professional growth side, on the personal side, I want to be a sloth. I want to sleep in. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? And I feel like I also just be a sloth. Sloth. Sloths are so freaking cute. Yeah. And then I think I also want to like I just want a car. Freaking adult, right? Like hashtag adulting. Mm. So I think I wanna like take like mm-hmm. a trip the area, like I'm only a few hours away from San Diego. Yeah, just to like get out, you know, because it is. I think it's been like so bad um to just like sit in the room and like be like stuck at work because that's how my mind definitely works. So I think just it'll be helpful just to mm. get out um, and do more of those things and come see my family or go see friends. That's awesome. I love that. And I'm so excited to see what next adventures you'll be you'll be going on because man, you like you love to go on adventures. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I, I was thinking of last year and I'm like, who am I? Like I literally <laughs> I moved country to DC. I moved back uh-huh. to Tumucho like before the pandemic was bad. I went to Puerto Rico. Yeah. I was yeah, I, I was literally living my best life, and I'm but I'm so glad yeah. because uh, no way I'm going anywhere right like big trip anytime soon. So yeah, I think yeah. it's the little things that's what I'm trying to do. Enjoy yeah. the little things, Jeremiah, including making cast. I love this. You know, just recording our memories, reflections. I feel like it'll be fun to look on what we talked about like a year from now or even like 10 years from now. That's going to be so cute. <laughs> I think I think we once did that with right our friend Ruby and 
she was like recording our conversation because she oh, thought yeah. we were hilarious and then we were listening to it and I was like this sounds like gibberish <laughs> but it was really <laughs> cute that she recorded it or it's, maybe it's like a snapchat or something so yeah we gotta bring Ruby up for one right. of these next podcasts oh my gosh the three of us yeah that would be awesome I would love to do that there's just man yeah I'm just so so happy to know you and so happy to be in a relationship with you like a friendship because you know you just bring so much joy in my life like honestly those years in grad school wouldn't have been the same without your support like you know you're just one super intelligent and also very humble but two like so much fun and just down to party <laughs> you know so I just need more of that in my life I, know, Jermaine, I need you in my life and I know Pedro might listen to this but you know, we can always move back in together. We work so well as roommates. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like, run through Pedro, see what he's doing. And Precious is not going to end here. Yeah. <laughs> I just figured, since we're all on the record, this is public. Yeah. I want to be roommates again. <laughs> I'm committed. I'm committed. Yes. And I'll make you both Heck wrong. yeah. Me too. Okay, well, is there anything else that you want to share? Uh, I just want to say, Jermaine, that you always bring a smile to my face and so much joy to my heart. And just thank you for accepting your time. Really, I miss y'all. I'm serious. Don't even worry. So Yes, we're gonna make it happen. Well, thank you for uh, celebrating your birthday with me in this way, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your trip with your family. I will. I'll send you pictures of all the Peruvian food. Okay. Ooh, I don't know if you caught that, by the way, in your happy birthday video (gasps) when Peruvian um, chicken Ruby was talking. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I showed my parents, and they were like, "Oh my gosh, pollo labrador!" Yeah, it was so good, y'all. Oh my god. So true. Because when we went to Seattle and you're like, we need to get Peruvian chicken, I was like, what? What is this Peruvian chicken? We go to the restaurant and I was like, oh my god. This has been, this yeah, is bomb. And it's this literally is like right a chicken and it's, okay, it's so affordable. I know you're up, but it's like a $20 meal. It's a full chicken, <laughs> french fries and salad, and it feeds a whole family. Yeah. Who wouldn't want Peruvian chicken? You know, it's hard, yeah. It was so good. I've been trying to be vegetarian, so but it's obviously never happening, so. Here we go again. <laughs> like, I, was thinking, I was like, maybe I'll try not to be vegan. Right, in the new year. Oh, my God. Fuck that. Then Peruvian food comes around. Um, Do you remember when you were... Wait, was it you? Yeah, you were cooking in the in the kitchen, and you were trying mm-hmm. to make... You were making chicken, and somebody came in. I don't know if it was Ruby. I think it was Ruby. She went to me and was like, what is, what is Carolina making? And I was like, I don't know. I think it's some kind of Peruvian chicken. And then from the kitchen, you're like, uh, it's just regular old chicken. Yep, I'll never forget. <laughs> I was like, let's speak some Peruvian. I was like, uh-oh. Thank like, you. My because bad. That's like my our bad. nicknames. I'm Peruvian chicken. You're yeah. Samoan chicken. Ruby's Korean chicken. We're the crispy Bam. chickens. Bam. Yes, <gasps> we just finished. The crispy the chickens chicken. podcast. I'm just yeah. kidding. Everything's a podcast. Everything is a podcast. <laughs> Jermaine, now, now the listeners know our inside secrets. <sighs> okay. Well, thank you again for spending some time with me. And uh, have, have a happy, happy uh, birthday. Thank you. I will. Yeah. Appreciate you, Jeremiah. Okay. We'll talk later. You okay, too. Bye.